Welcome to the Fortech Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and it's been a minute. I'm sorry about the long delay. We've been uh, just kind of recovering after the end of the Predator season back in uh, early May. Um, we are back for the time being until we take another break. So we'll we'll have, uh, obviously, an episode today, and then we will probably have another one after free agency um, and then, you know, maybe one or two here and there, and then we'll take off, and then we will be back when next season gets kicked off for training camp and preseason and all that stuff. But uh, I, just in the interest of of not trying to do too much of this in a time in which we don't, you know, the demand isn't as high, uh, but also trying to give people some content when they when they want it, uh, we're back. So I uh, took some time off after the loss. I, was, I thought really hard about doing another one of these after the uh, Game 7 loss, but I just I just couldn't I couldn't do it. So I, I wrote a couple pieces. I mean, written, we've written a lot since then. We've been reviewing the Predators' players, uh, you know, individually, and then we re- re- reviewed how the season ended and everything. But um, I, think, I think it's just a matter of just trying to step away for a minute and then kind of recover as a fan, first and foremost, and and then sort of sit back and then now now that the draft has happened and uh and free agency is about to kick off uh, you know I'm kind of back in the swing of things but uh so anyways sorry about the long delay we're back for the time being until we take another break of course and I've got a few things to talk about first before I I uh, get going on our guest today uh one a couple a couple bigger things and then uh, and then I kind of want to just talk about some free agents and stuff but and I don't know how much I'm going to get into the free agents because there's only so much we can really talk about. But the first thing is, last week, uh, Pecorine was nominated and won the Vezina Trophy. First time in his career he's ever won that. And uh, there there was some, some discussion before this um, and a little bit afterwards. And then all of this is kind of building on the already the discussion that happened with the Predators winning the President's Trophy about properly celebrating Pecorine's accomplishment, the team's accomplishment, winning the Central Division, winning the President's Trophy, in light of how the season ended, in light of how the playoffs went, and uh, the fact that you know the Predators did not, despite being cup favorites for most, much of the year, uh, didn't do it. Um, and so complain all you want about the way the season ended, being cynical about these accomplishments is not going to change a damn thing. And understanding that Pecorine's individual uh, accomplishment doesn't change anything about where the where the season ended because obviously it's a regular season trophy and it's still a, a, a quite an accomplishment. But I've got a few things I, I just kind of want, I want to take a step back here and just think about this about what it is kind of that we're what we're actually talking about. And the first thing is, and first things first, don't let anyone ever tell you how to fan. Uh, and, and I'm not telling other people how to fan, because if, if someone out there is disappointed, thinks it's a disappointment of this season that they didn't win the Stanley Cup, that's fine. I, that's, that's how you just define success. That's perfectly fine. But by signing up for, uh, you know, to cheer for a sports team, which is kind of an odd thing to do anyway, you, you, you really get to cheer however you want. You're the one spending your time and your money and your effort, your, your emotions. Uh, only you can decide if it's, if it's worth it, and only you get to place value on it. Um, you know, this means you, could, you get to decide 
and you get to value success in whatever way you want. Some people value success in, in some ways, like Stanley Cup winning, and some people value success in just uh, being a pretty good team. So there's a lot of ways to value success. But think about when you're a kid. So when you're when you're a kid, you define success in a very different way. With when I'm talking about with sports, than you do as an adult. As an adult, and I I think you value it in a lot more ways than you define it as an adults. I think it it becomes much more um, acute as as you go on. I, I think I think that the older you get, the more opportunities for success become narrower. But as a kid, you know, you get to decide you, the success that you see in, in the sports world is just so. There's so many more opportunities. Uh, sometimes it's just winning a game itself, just winning one game, and, the, and you've decided that's a success. Sometimes it's just winning a part of a game. Like if you're a, if you play little league baseball and you go out there and you, you get a hit in one inning. I mean, that that inning was the best inning of your life. You know, it's the, it's the most exciting thing that's ever happened. It's only after we become adults that we decide. Well. You know, winning only one game, that's not success. You have to win a lot of them in order to be successful. And then it even gets more acute when you get older. You know, only, you know, any team can win one season or one championship. It's winning multiple ones. That's what really matters. This sort of, we, we build these barriers around our happiness with our sports teams. Uh, we, we do it as, as we get older. We decide, nope, the only thing that's going to make me happy is if they do this one thing. We decide that winning one particular thing or winning just one number of things in a specified amount of time can determine our success and our happiness. And I know that it sounds like I'm just I am just trying to to overcompensate for the fact that the Predators didn't win the cup and they they did win the President's Trophy, but I'm I'm not. I I really think that this is how we should view what success really means. Uh I, and again, I'm not telling anybody else how to be how to be a fan. That's not the point here. I'm actually I'm, I'm more, being more inclusive on who should be a fan. I'm not I'm saying that it shouldn't just be the people who are cup cup or bust people. I like anything else it's about perspective. So so think about you know the year 1998 through 2011 for a minute. 2010, let's say that. Would any of us have complained about only winning the President's Trophy? Would any of us com- complain if one of our players won a top trophy and then didn't play well in the playoffs. If if Paul Correa won 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 the Hart Trophy in 2006 or whatever it was, and then the and then they got bounced by the Sharks in the first round, would we have been all that disappointed? I I, I know I wouldn't have. I, I would have been fine. Perspective is not only important here; it's everything. Perspective is everything with this. So right now there is a just to, to to cross this into other sports, right now there is a Yankees fan who is bitter and angry and disappointed constantly that his team has not won the World Series every year since he's been alive. Because all he's been told is that the Yankees win World Championships and they've only won one since, well, whatever, 2000, 2000, I guess, right? So they won one in 2009, I think, and then they won another one in 2000, and then... Whatever it's, it, they have, they've only won a couple since you know in the last twenty years. So there's a Yankees fan who's pissed about that. Who who wants every manager fired? Who wants all the players cut? Who wants uh, a brand new stock of players until they win a championship? This same thing happens to Alabama football fans, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, New England Patriot fans, 
St. Louis Cardinals fans, even though they're they don't even have nearly as much success as those others. But I, I would say you know, this the sort of success that they've had is clouded by their own perspective on what success actually means, on what success and happiness actually means. So to go back to the Yankees fan example, so also right now, and maybe living next door to that bitter Yankees fan, is a young Yankees fan who loves Aaron Judge. And if he goes to a game and Aaron Judge hits a home run and the Yankees somehow win the game, he is monumentally happy. That kid is happy for the rest of the day, is happy for the rest of the week. His whole summer got made because he went to a game, Aaron Judge hit a home run, and the Yankees won. And why wouldn't we want that? Why wouldn't we want that happiness? The adult, the bitter adult, says Aaron Judge batted 240 and only hit 40 home runs and the Yankees didn't win the World Series or whatever it was. So that bitter adult is just sitting there angry that his team didn't win, even though they won the East and even though they made it to the to the AL Championship Series and even though that they were, you know, maybe one out from going to the World Series, they they didn't do it, and so it doesn't matter. I'll tell you what, that kid doesn't care. That kid does not care that... I mean, he might he, he might care he he might get upset when they lose, but he doesn't. It didn't make his experience of loving Aaron Judge and loving the Yankees any any worse. So you know, why wouldn't we want that happiness? When we fall in love with sports when we're kids, you know, most of us do, and yet we put all these chains of expectation on ourselves, just ruining our fun, just just putting a big cinder block on top of on top of our fun, saying the only way to have fun is if this one thing happens. That's it. Personally, that sounds miserable. I don't want that. I, I I desperately want the Predators to win a cup, but I'm not about to sit here and say that if they don't win a cup, they're not successful. They won the President's Trophy. Only one team does that every year. They were better than 31. They were better than 30 other teams over the course of 82 games. That's a very impressive feat. No other team does it. That's that's great. And you get a trophy. Why would they give a trophy? It doesn't matter. We'll have a banner in our in our uh, arena for for all time that says this year we were the best team. We didn't win the, the the tournament, but we won the the regular season championship. And I've made this comparison before, maybe even on this podcast, that it in it very much like the Premier League in in England and most well, I shouldn't just say the Premier League, most soccer uh, most soccer leagues in Europe. There's a League Cup. And there is a league championship. And if you win both, then you're really good. And if you win one, you're still successful. And then if you win your league cup and your league championship and the, the Europe championship, the UEFA, UEFA Champions League, you are one of the best teams of all time. But I'll tell you this. If you win only one of those things, you are still successful. And your team is happy. Your fans are happy. Your management is happy. Now you got to go back and do it out, uh, do it all over again next year, and you got to be prepared and, and keep up that success. But it is seen as a success. And American sports, for whatever reason, do not get that. I mean, I couldn't even tell you who was the regular season NFL team last year. Might have been the Eagles. I, I honestly don't know, because no one cares, because it's all about the Super Bowl. Same thing with the with, with baseball. I don't know who was the regular season uh, baseball champion. Maybe the Dodgers, perhaps. All, all anyone cares is the Astros won the World Series. If that's how people want to define the success, that's fine. Like I said, I'm not telling people how to define success or, or to how, how to be a fan, rather. But 
it sounds miserable to me if your only thing if if you you constrict yourself and, and narrow your your view onto this one success in this one situation. This is the only way for my team to be successful. I don't want to do that. I'm happy with the way the the I'm happy with the Predator season from this year. I'm not happy that they didn't get the the Stanley Cup. I'm very happy that they won the President's Trophy. And those two things are those can happen at the same time. Two other things I want to talk about before I get to our guest. Um, I just want to mention this really quick. Uh, the Austin Watson situation is a terrible situation. And we hope that the victim in this case is safe and that she gets the help that she needs and she gets the assistance that she needs and whatever whatever protection she needs to have in order to uh, make this not happen again, that needs to happen. Um, whatever happens to Watson and his status with the team in the long view is not something that we're going to discuss I don't really care. It has nothing to do with with anything that we're what we know about the team right now. Uh, we'll revisit that case once more facts come to light. But just wanted to mention that. So uh, anything dealing with that situation, I think is you know there's nothing to know. I, we we don't know anything until the uh, more facts come to light. So so on to the next thing. The Predators draft from this past weekend. Boy, there is no way around it other than this team took a year off from the draft. They might as well have stayed home. Um, not exactly something you can blame them for. I mean, they acquired a number of players like T- Kyle Turris and Ryan Hartman, and don't forget they got Alexi Imelin for one of those draft picks they didn't pick. But, uh, yeah, there was a grade going around that they got a D for this draft, and uh, obviously in a little bit our guest is going to talk about the draft more in detail, but this is a nothing draft. This is You might as well mark this draft as absent next to the Nashville Predators if you're doing a roll call of the teams for the 2018 draft. Nashville Predators, unexcused absence. They weren't there. <laughs> um, I mean, the only other time that they've had so few draft picks in a draft was in 2006, and they had five draft picks, and one of those panned out, Blake Jeffrey on, even though he eventually had the major injury that knocked him out of the league. But, I mean, the odds are not good. you gotta, you got to pile up these draft picks over a number of years. And the farm system right now, uh, and our guest could tell you all about this, is not looking great because, well, the, the, the team is built out of players that they farmed. And it's you've got to eventually start restocking that. And if your window is from now for the next three or four years, you've got to start stocking, stocking it now. Because in four years, you look at an empty cupboard, you are in a world of hurt. You're looking at what the uh, what the Blackhawks have right now, where they have nothing in their farm system and a whole lot of players they had to pay money to. So uh, that being said, um, we will move on to our guests. <laughs> and welcome back. Uh, we are joined today by our resident... Prospect and draft coverage writer for On the Forecheck, Eric Dunay. Hey, how are you doing, Eric? I'm pretty good. How are you? I am okay. I am doing okay. So I, before before you came on here, I, I did a little uh, some. I tried to try to get some things out, and so I I'm done getting those things out, and now I'm ready to just talk about fun things like uh, the draft and free agency and things like that. So, uh, I'm ready, ready to move. I got my, t- I got my hot tea ready. I'm ready to go. How, how, have you been, have you been in the same kind of like, you've been going crazy with, with draft writing and prospect writing and stuff. I mean, have you been just like completely overworked or are you feeling, feeling pretty good? Um, you know, it's, it's not, it hasn't been bad. Uh, it was helpful that the, the Preds only had four draft picks yeah. this year. Uh, as opposed to seven or more. 
Um, you know, it's been good. I, I love this time of year because the draft is, is very fun for me. Um, I love, you know, just watching guys who probably didn't, you know, didn't even get drafted or just like interested in, in you know, who teams are taking chances on late in late rounds. Uh, and then, you know, shortly you know, we have development camp this week. Um, and then later in the summer, uh, the top 25 under 25, which I have a lot of fun doing. So, yeah. you know, it's a lot. It's a lot to cram into a short period of time, but I, I have a good time doing it. So tell me about development camp. I haven't I haven't gone to any. Um, we're going to the Futures Star the Future Stars game on Friday. Um, so uh, it, has there been any any major developments? Have you realized that? Oh my gosh, the, all these players are amazing and they're all going to make the roster. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been so. I was there uh, Tuesday uh, for the full practice. Uh, so the first sec- session was defenseman and three goalies, and then the second session was uh, forwards uh, and three goalies. It was a lot of fun. I, you know, I had a good time being there. Um, a couple things stood out to me. It's something that I'm always interested in is, is like, what kind of drills are being run? Um, you know, as someone who's played hockey my whole life, uh, I just find it fascinating to kind of see what Scott Nickel and Wade Redden and, and the others see as, you know, valuable stuff. Right. Um, a couple of things that stood out to me while I was there, uh, player-wise, in a good sense, um, you know, obviously, uh, Ellie Tolvin, you know, is there this week, and, and he's looked pretty good. Um, I thought his comments the other day were, were pretty interesting, but not that far off when he said, you know, my first three games were were kind of a shot in the foot. You know, it's it's so much faster. You make one mistake, and, and you have to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's looked, he's looked you know, uh, as as you'd expect, um, Patrick Harper was has not been there yet, um, so haven't obviously seen anything from him. Um, but a couple things that stood out to me from a forwards perspective, uh, I was really impressed with Carl Person, who they signed uh, here recently out of Sweden. Um, I was curious to kind of see how he would look amongst his peers and how he's going to look in Milwaukee this year, but. Um, I was really excited what I saw from him. So I get uh, I get him and Tanner Janot confused because they got him around the same time. Is he the is which yeah. one's the bigger of the two? Janot is the big kid who okay. they signed out of the the, uh, the the Western Hockey League. He looked all right. Um, I I would say I kind of have a bias against Western Hockey League forwards because they play a much different style of game. Uh, he looks very much the mold of like a power forward that's played four years in that league. Um, I think he'll be, you know, a successful player for Milwaukee in some regards, but um, he, you know, he, he didn't overly impress me. Um, a player that stood out for me a lot was uh, Bobby McMahon, who's a uh, who's a invite invitee, yeah, uh, yeah. not not signed by the team, but he, you know, I was intrigued when they invited him, um, just looking at his previous numbers and I got to get a good look at him and I really liked what I saw. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get signed to a contract, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he does. Um, the team's always kind of weird about these invitee contracts. I mean, Tyler Kelleher never got one and then Milwaukee traded his, his, his right or his AHL rights. So, uh, but from, from a forwards perspective, it's pretty much it. Um, I was looking a lot at, at, at Pavel, uh, Coltigen, just because I'm intrigued by him. 
didn't see anything new there. Um, defenseman, not well, much. Real quick, real quick on the before we go to the defenseman, talk. Let's talk a little bit about Jakob Trenin because it, okay. before we got uh, before we started recording, you were telling me a little bit about. It. So like there. There, were, there was obviously a report a while back that Trennan was going to um, go to the KHL. This was not just a, a rumor by an egg an egg avatar Twitter. This was like a legit rumor that he was going to go to the to the KHL, and we really didn't know what was going to happen. And then now he's here. So uh, there was a, a, a local 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 blogger, media someone that that reported or asked him if he was going to if he was planning on going to the KHL, and he apparently said no. He's planning on staying here. So. He's he's here. It sounds like maybe maybe for for now at least. Yeah, I I think it it was an interesting um, kind of co- comment that he made. Um, I don't think you know what he has said this week at development camp really addresses everything. Uh, it's my understanding that at one point he was very serious about going back and playing for his hometown club in the KHL. Um, now, you know, what happened between then and now is, you know, I'm not entirely sure, but to me, you have to think that, uh, Scott Nickel and David Poyle kind of had some serious talks about, you know, like, Hey, like you have a future in this organization. Like we think you're a bright player. We spent a second round pick on you. You know, this season was a bit of a write off in a sense. I mean, he only played 40 games. He suffered a pretty serious injury. Uh, he bounced around the lineup a lot. Uh, okay, so was- yeah, I, I just saw the, I just saw the quote, and yeah, this is this is this does not really like answer anything really because he he said it was about a question about whether he would go to the KHL, and he said I I think what he's saying is he he says of course I want to be a part of this team, meaning the Predators. They're strong mm-hmm. and always battle for a cup. Every player wants to play for a potential Stanley Cup champion. So that tells me like yeah, he wants to be on the Predators. It doesn't say anything. I mean, I think it is a backhanded way of saying like he doesn't want to be in the AHL. Would- yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I see that. Um, I think this year was very frustrating for him. Um, like I said, with the injury, um, there were moments down when he came back from injury where he was playing on the third line uh, or he was a healthy scratch a time here and there. Um, I don't think Dean Evison ever really figured out which position he prefers to play him at, center or wing. Um and I, I have to think that Scott Nichol, uh is, is kind of looking for somebody, and David Poyle is looking for somebody to coach Milwaukee that has a better idea of where they want. I mean, there's a lot of forwards down there who, who in theory, can play both wing and center. Um, and that's something that's got to be sorted out because, you know, this is a team that was so inconsistent in every regard this year, and shuffling the lines as much as they did just didn't help. So. The way I see it is, you know, yeah, I'm sure something happened between the time this was reported uh, with Merritt, I'll add, and now that that he that convinced him to say, okay, you know what, I'll give it another go. And who knows, by the end of the season, he might be playing a little bit in Nashville, or by the time next, the 2019-20 season starts, he might have a full-time roster spot. Yeah, uh, it, but it, it depends. Yeah, Jakob Trenin is 21 years old, and he's yeah. he, he, so it, this is this is a young kid. Uh, I probably made a thousand career decisions in when I was 21 years old. I didn't, well, or or I made zero career decisions. I don't even remember. Um, I, I was either it was one or the other. But uh, all right, so yeah, that that that's that's all I wanted to ask about, and um, so we'll uh, we'll see how he progresses and everything. So you were gonna you were gonna say something about the defense. So how does the defense look? 
Yeah, um, defense is interesting. Um, I mean, I, obviously, Fabro looks very impressive. Um, I think there, there was one drill they were doing where uh, defensemen would start on the blue line, pivot around a cone, and have to go one-on-one with another defenseman coming down on the wing from the from center ice. Uh, and, you know, it's hard to make that pivot uh, and catch up, especially for, like, a slower-moving guy, like Jacob Paquet or Anthony Wise, who was another invitee. But even on some of the faster players, uh, some of the better skaters in that defense core, Fabro was either just blowing by them or making an impressive move, a cut to the slot, and, and a nice shot on that. So I liked what I saw there. Um, two other guys that stood out to me. Um, Hardy Hamanek-Tell, who you know, has long been a running uh, <laughs> joke of... No, he's not there. That's not him. Yeah, well, that's true. He's actually not there. No, it's, it's nice to finally see him. Um, I've always been intrigued by how he plays the game. Obviously, he missed, like a year and a half of playing. Uh, so it was nice to kind of see him uh, in action in real life. And also, um, so Pryoka, the, the kid they signed from the Czech Republic mm, yeah. uh, a couple of months ago. I, I was very impressed with him. Um, I think that he will be a good player in Milwaukee this year. Okay. Um, and, and, and I think he has, I mean, depending on how his adjustment goes, he, I think he has a shot uh, at a full-time roster spot down the road. What and, about, and then, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, like, finally, I think people who, who read my stuff often know that I'm a big fan of Frederick Allard. Um, yeah. You know, with, with Alex Carey not at, at development camp, he's kind of taken on a leadership role, and, and he's looked, he looks good. So I'm excited to watch him in Milwaukee this year. Uh, so he's like, he's, with Fabro uh, in college, he, he's definitely the, the, the most likely, to, to me, he's the most likely um, candidate from the AHL to, to make spot starts uh, coming up during the year uh, or maybe even barring if there's an injury to come up and maybe have a more permanent job, uh, assuming the Predators don't go get more help elsewhere. Is that, is that fair to say, or do you think it's Carrier that gets those, gets those uh, calls? Um, I agree. I mean, you, they no longer have the luxury of someone like Petter Granberg, who's played in the NHL a couple, some cups of tea here and there. Um, there might be some bias towards Carrier just because he has played a few games, but I think, you know, Allard might be just right behind him. Um, and I would be, I mean, this year the Preds were pretty healthy, um, but if that's not the case this season, then I would be shocked if, if we didn't see Allard for a couple games uh, okay. here in Nashville. How did the two uh, the two draftees look as we sort of pivot towards the, the, the Predators draft? Spencer, Stastny. Uh, the the guy from the U.S. Development League, I guess, right? And and then mm-hmm. the uh, and then Vladislav Yeremenko. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't. I don't think I might be wrong about this. I don't think I saw Stassi. I don't think he was on the ice for the session. Um, and maybe I just wasn't paying attention all that much. But uh, <laughs> Yeremenko, um, I, 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 you know, I he's an interesting player. Um, I. I'm impressed because he plays the game. He reminds me a lot of of how um, someone like Frederick Allard plays. Uh, a bit loose. Uh, he's a good puck handler. Uh, he he uses his edges in a very creative way when he's um, when he's in the offensive zone and threatening to score. Um, but his defensive game is it still has a ways to come, and you know that is obviously not something that's 
you know, readily obvious at a development camp sort of setting, but um, I was really intrigued. I think he's probably my favorite pick of the four um, from this draft. Really? Uh, okay. I, I like him the most. Yeraminko? Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't exactly know what's what'll come of him, um, just because the WHL is a very hard league to kind of understand, and, and he's not exactly a prototypical WHL player, but I do, uh, from a raw kind of skill perspective, I, I like what I see. I, it, I mean, anytime you get a right-handed defenseman, that's a good thing, and yeah. and, and he looks like he can skate. He doesn't look like a, a, a cinder block out there. Uh, I'm, I'm literally watching highlights that you posted on on your story right now as he uh, as as you're talking about him. Yeah, I, I I can see the the intrigue because he's if he's if he's not uh, a traffic cone on defense and if he can skate like this and if he can if he can shoot he's scoring goals from from all over the place. Uh, it, yeah, it's intriguing. I can see why they uh, I can see why they picked him. Yeah, and and another thing about him too is is he spent a good part of the year and the year before. Uh, playing with Jake Bean, the Hurricanes prospect, who's very highly touted. And I think there, naturally, there might have been some concern that when Bean was traded to the Tries of the Americans, that Yermeko might not have been as successful on the ice without that kind of player. Uh, but it, it didn't seem to slow him down at all, which is encouraging, uh, you know, especially on a team like the Hitmen that were not as consistent and, uh, you know, you know, not as not as a sound uh, hockey club as some other contenders in the WHL this season. Okay, um, let's let's go to the goalies, and uh, I, I'm really interested in Miroslav Svoboda uh, more than I am the other guys because um, you kind of sold me on on him being sort of the maybe the 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 horse that they ride on in uh, in in Milwaukee this year. I mean, maybe not, but it certainly seems like uh, he has some. You you convinced me with I can't remember what you said about him, but it sounded like he was a, a guy that could we could really count on to be in Milwaukee and to uh, to maybe even maybe even I don't know if there's any kind of an injury situation to see in Nashville. Uh, for sure, uh, you know I, I like him a lot. He's big. He's a really he was much bigger, much taller um, in person than than his elite prospects page may suggest. Um, he is he, he fills the net in an interesting way. Um, it's it's something that you kind of look at and you say, well, you know, I can see some holes. You know, as someone who played played myself, I can you know I look at it and say, okay, you know, here's the corners of the net that maybe he's not covering as well as uh, he could. But um, you know, you come down, you take a shot, and he adjusts well, especially down low. Um, he's pretty excellent in the butterfly position. Um, he's someone who I think by the end of the season will be the starter in Milwaukee. Okay. Um, if injuries happen, I mean, I don't know. Grosnick has NHL experience, and there's something to that, I think. Yeah, I forgot um, about Grosnick. But, but needless to say, I am, you know, pretty excited about him as, uh, as a goalie. And, and interestingly enough, you know, someone that we kind of wrote off when he signed – uh, Carol Vemielka, I thought, looked really solid while I was there. Um, I think they're counting on him to kind of get full-time starts in the top Czech league this year, um, whereas this past season he was kind of bouncing around between the top league and the second-tier league and 
this and that. So uh, hopefully that'll kind of spell out uh, his game a bit better uh, playing in the top pro league night in and night out. Okay. Um, all right. That, that's pretty good stuff, man. I, I, I'm not, uh, I, I'm looking forward to the future stars game on, on Saturday to see, um, it or Saturday, Friday. It, it, I, the, I, what I remember last year is a lot of, I mean, cause I think they do four on four, so it's not really, it's not, you know, you don't get the full, full effect. It's not like real hockey or anything. And then they do like, right. penal, they do like a million penalty shots. And so, uh, so that, I mean, it's, it's somewhat fun, but I, I, what I remember last year is I think it was uh, David Ference was like amazing. He was really good, and then people were kind of disappointed in Ely Tolvanen. People were really disappointed in um, uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name. The, the guy that's now in Chicago, um, Edsel Victor Edsel, because um, he was like super slow and he, he didn't really do much. So it was like uh, I, I remember people were kind of like, okay, there's some 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 guys here, and then like none of none of it ever. You know, we didn't we didn't see anything from from that. It, it, I, I think people can get excited because it's like here's here's it's obviously rookies, it's 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 young young players, uh, and and players with no experience. But at the same time, you just never know. You never know what you're gonna you're you're gonna see out there. And it, what if a guy like, you know, what if a guy like Ely Tolman goes out there and, and lights up the world, and then we're all excited about him uh, it, coming up in the next season? So uh, if you get a chance to go, you should really go. And I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean. Shootout, you know, I, I can almost guarantee right now that like someone like Alex Overhart is going to score like some really nice shootout goal on Friday. Okay. And there's going to be like a section of Fred Twitter that's just like, give this <laughs> kid a contract right now. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know. You're right. That happens every year. Who was it last year? It was that Tyler, <laughs> was, Tyler I, Kelleher. Yeah, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Kelleher was like, well, what is his brother's there now? So maybe they'll be, they'll follow up and. Yeah, that, that, you're right. That there's who is gonna be the the one that everyone falls in love with that they're gonna be like, this guy needs to get a roster spot. <laughs> yeah. Sign him. <laughs> Give him a contract. It's like happens every time. Come on, folks. Uh, there's a long way to the top if he's gonna climb. Uh, even even get into Mil- if the, some of these guys have a really hard hard road to even Milwaukee, let alone uh, a little in the Predators. But um, yeah. Okay. Um, so one, one thing that happened and I, I want to get your take on this because it, it really just kind of frustrated fans, I think, because if there was anything that convinced us more that the predators were just taking this draft year off, uh, they make us wait all the way to the third round and then they trade their third round pick to get next year's third round pick. Uh, so like clearly they they were, they went into this whole thing knowing that this draft was just going to be very minimal. I mean, it's the least amount of draft picks they've ever had. The only other time they had this few was when they had five picks back in 2006. Uh, Blake Jeffreyon was their their top pick in that one. Um, and it's, so it seemed to me just really confusing. I mean, what, what did you think about that, about sw- just switching the third-round pick? I mean, did, did it really matter? I mean, who, are you just kind of like, who cares? It didn't really matter? Um, so I've got, I've got two thoughts slash theories on it, which are... One, uh, I think it was Jeff Kelty or somebody made it pretty clear that anyone they liked was off the board at 89. Um, my suspicion, and I don't know how true this is, but my speculation is that uh, the kid that was taken at 87th to the Sharks, I believe, Linus Carlson, was somebody that they were um, looking at. And oh. 
it was at that point they kind of said, you know what, uh, a guy like Kondelik or whomever is still going to be there at 111. Um, the second thought, too, is that, I mean, A, I think next year's draft is going to be even deeper um, just from, like, a skill perspective. Uh, there were a lot of a lot of first year eligible players that weren't taken this year, that are have put up very good offensive numbers in their respective leagues, that are going to be draft plus one like players next season, probably have you know more muscle put on them, have another season of impressive results, um, and that's going to be you know an attractive option for a lot of teams. Overage players are you know very much an underappreciated part of the draft process. And you see it in teams like the Maple Leafs who have lately kind of made a killing off of taking players in their first, second or third eligible years of getting drafted. Um, and it pays off. I mean, a player like Victor Arvidsson. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the Predators best example for sure. Yeah. Um, but my other theory on this is it's not so much a theory as it is just true is, is it's just, um, it's an, it's another asset. I mean, you know, if you're not going to make a deal right then and there for a roster player, then trade it for a pick next year. All of a sudden, let's say at the deadline, they make a deal for, or even between now and October, they make a deal for X player who's a top nine winger. Then you've got a third round pick to throw in as another asset. And you still have a third round pick left. Yeah. Um, so it's just well, in this, acid, in this case, they accumulation, really. In this case, they don't like so. So oh. I, I was looking up. So they traded last year's. I'm trying to find the details. Oh yeah, no, that's the. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you remember this? They traded last year. They traded next year's third round pick to get our old boy Alexi Imelin from the Vegas Golden Knights. Great trade. No, yeah, <laughs> solid, <laughs> solid get there, and uh, they paid him three million dollars a year. Golly, uh, impressive. Yeah, so so I'd forgotten that, but yeah, they traded that third round pick, so they got a third round pick back, and so yeah, but you're right. I I, I get what you're saying about the assets. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. uh, and it's never a bad idea to have those. Okay, speaking of assets, let's talk a little bit about um, free agency. Um, I, I've got some feelings about about everything. Obviously, we can go ahead and just scratch off John Tavares from all these lists because. Um, he's apparently narrowed it down to six teams, and the Predators are not one of those, and it was probably never going to happen anyways. Um, but there are some intriguing names out there. I think the biggest ones that uh, on the offensive side of the game that, that Predators fans would uh, would maybe get more excited about, obviously there's James Neal. Um, could, well, might he come back? And then there's, uh, then there's James Van Riemsdyk, who is a guy that just ever since he's been in the league seems like a perfect fit here. I mean, I think he would be a fantastic player i think his, his offensive ability i think he'd be a great i mean i think he would mesh well with the players that are on this team um then there's kind of a large drop off there's guys like michael grabner thomas vanek no thank you on thomas vanek but uh <laughs> chris kunitz maybe like and then the and then there's some other i mean the drop off really hits pretty badly after that point but um are there any of these forwards these these free agent forwards uh that you that you think the Predators could go after since they're not going to get in on John Tavares? Um, I mean, it's tough. Like you said, uh, there's, you know, depth at the wing possession in free agency this year is not good. Um, and the fact of the matter is I am a big James Neal proponent. Uh, I'm a big James Neal fan. Uh, I think that within a reason they should make an effort to bring him back. 
Yeah. Um, I think that it's, uh, you know, the whole, no matter how you slice, how valuable Kelly Yarncrook is to this team and how agreeable his contract is. Uh, it was very clear in the uh, Winnipeg Jets series that a player like Neil was needed. Um, I don't think teams will give him what he's asking, uh, which is encouraging. Um, well, is, he, is he asking more than five? Yeah, I, I heard he's asked for like six, seven. Okay, yeah. That's not um, which is not going to happen. Um, I would be fine with, you know, like a three-ish year deal, you know, six million, five and a half. Um, yeah. And that doesn't really bother me. Uh, and, and then you, but here's the thing. And this kind of just, this didn't just occur to me, but I, in, in thinking about this, I mean, is there anything in James Neal that says why, that, that kind of that makes him not want to come back here because he wasn't protected? I, I, think so. I think there could be something there. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, this is just conjecture. I'm just thinking out loud here. But, I mean, if, if, he's, if he's protected uh, last year, signing an extension is a, is a different conversation, even if it's the same price and money, uh, than it is now trying to go get him now after you said, you know what, we're going to let you, we're going to keep these other dudes um, in favor of letting you uh, go over there because we're, it's just a different conversation. It totally changes the, the tone of the room, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's, he, to me, he's one of those players that's kind of been frequently looked down upon by teams um, throughout his career. I mean, to make a great comparison about this, I would stay as far away from possible as signing James Van Riemsdyk. I think he fits well, but, like, some team will pay him way more than he needs hmm. or way more than they should and for much longer than they should. Interesting. Uh, Whereas I don't think many teams would do that for James Neal, even though they're essentially the same player. Um, okay. I feel, so I, like, that's how I feel about David Perron. As uh, I think, yeah, I, I think someone someone's going to overpay for him because uh, he had like 50 assists last year. Yeah, uh, he's not doing that again. <laughs> but you think about it like this, and say, you know, um, the Vegas Golden Knights essentially brought in. They traded a first, second, and third round pick for James Neal's quote unquote replacement, Tomas Tatar, and only to scratch him for half the Stanley Cup final. And <laughs> that's their that's their plan moving forward. I mean, he's three years younger on a similar contract. So then to say you say that to you know, from Neal's perspective, it's like, hey, you know, I can't really catch a break. I think at this point it just probably doesn't affect him that much at this point. Uh, I think he enjoyed really enjoyed his time here. I, I mean, I don't know. I just don't see much reason why he wouldn't want to come back. I think it's more whether the team would want to bring him back. Yeah. Okay. Um, in terms of defensemen, um, you know, I think, I think they will have to, I don't know what have to, but I, I think they, they might try to go after a cheaper defenseman to fill sort of that gap that with Emelin not there. Um, and the reason I think they might do that is because they, you know, they had that last, they had last year, they had exactly what they have on the roster right now. And then they went and got Alexei Miller and paid him $3 million. So it's clearly they think that they, they, they want to have like eight ready defensemen, on, you know, at the NHL level, like NHL ready defensemen, eight, eight of them. And so I, I guess they're going to probably go do that. And, um, I mean, you could say that they, 
don't need to do that, but I, I think that's probably what they're going to do. So I, I guess where I'm going with this is uh, th- there's a couple guys that I like uh, that are out there. Calvin DeHaan is one that I think would be really intriguing because that guy's really good. He just had that. He's had injuries, and um, the Islanders are not going to resign him. It doesn't sound like. Um, could you get him? He he came came off a three million dollar contract, but he was injured. So could you get him for that three million? Would that be? I would pay Calvin DeHaan three million dollars over Alexi Imelin for three million. Oh, definitely. I think with him, it's um, it's a question of whether he's built up enough like provable asset worth that like he can cash in on a bigger contract despite being injured. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me to see a team pay him more than $3 million a year. Yeah. But the way, I, the way I look at it is if they could not bring in that like big bruising defenseman again, that would be really fantastic because the thing is, is like they do this, you know, like Anton Volchenkov, Barrett Jackson, <laughs> they get rid of them after a year. And then you're back to square one with Yannick Weber and Matt Irwin. And yeah. I'm just fine. I'm generally fine with Yannick Weber and Matt Irwin. I mean, like at times they frustrate me. Um, but the fact of the matter with them is like they're both at their ceiling. Neither of them are getting better. So my charge is why not go out and get a young defenseman who is coming off a career year, is should in theory still be under team control just if you weren't being – if the team said, hey, we're not going to qualify you, we're not going to bring you back – and has tremendous upside because he's really only come into the league full time in the past couple of seasons. And there's a player that fits that exact role that I think would be a fantastic addition to this decor, not only an upgrade over Weber and Irwin, but someone that can grow with the team. And that is Dylan DeMello from the San Jose Sharks. Hmm. Um, I think he is, he reminds me a bit of when Dave Schlenko hit the market. Um, I guess it was last year when the Golden Knights traded into the Canadians, and a lot of people were saying this would have been an excellent pickup for any team um, that's contending for the Cup. But the difference is Dave Slumko is, if I'm not mistaken, either in his 30s or very close to them, whereas Dylan DeMello is in his mid-20s and has his best hockey ahead of him. So was he an RFA? Uh, I, I think he don't might. exactly. I don't have my computer in front of me, but I know that the Sharks are not going to resign him. Oh, okay. So that, I guess that that make that answers that question. So if he's an RFA, but they're not going to sign him, doesn't matter. But uh, he is an RF. Oh, he's a UFA. He's a UFA. There we go. Okay. Um, that's interesting. So, um, by the way, to just just so you know, um, to fill in that trend, you said like you said it was Volchenkov, and then it was Jackman, and then it was Emlin. Well, this year it's going to be Toby Enstrom. Yeah. That's, exactly. who they're, that's who they're going to sign. They're going to sign Toby Enstrom to like a $3 million deal, and he's going to be able, be terrible. So I certainly hope not. We'll <laughs> 33 years old. Um, yeah. Dylan DeMello. Okay, all right. I could get on board with that. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I think, I think between him, if, if we're talking my, I like to kind of identify one guy that I like going into free agency. Uh, that's not unrealistic for them to sign. It would be him at defense, and at forward, it would be someone like uh, Tobias Reeder from the Kings. What about what about Michael Kempney? Or I, Washington's probably going to resign him, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to bring. They, I, I remember. I think it was on the. I think it was on the Thirty One Thoughts podcast with Friedman and Merrick. They were talking about how they did their homework when they traded for him and they, and Todd Reardon's a very big fan of him. So okay. I'd be shocked to see him go to the market. 
All right, one more name for you, and uh, this this particular player has had um, a much longer a much longer career than I thought. Uh, been with a few different teams, and uh, has varying degrees of uh, of of success. Um, but what about Luke Shin? Because I feel like there was a time where he wasn't that bad. I mean, he got a pretty bad uh, reputation in Toronto, but a lot of a lot of players get a bad reputation in Toronto, and then get run out of town. Um, and then like. Philadelphia, I feel like he was he, he had a couple seasons where he wasn't bad, and then uh, now he's just been in in the desert for two years. So who knows what he's been doing? Because no one watches the Coyotes. But what, what do you what do you think about Luke Shin? Um, you know, I, I it's, it's tough because a lot of his you're right, a lot of his image was distorted by his time in Toronto, uh, as is the case with a lot of players like Dion Phaneuf and Kessel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't think at this point in time he's that much of an impact player anymore. Um, I think his skating has dropped off considerably. And, okay. yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure it would be a worthwhile investment. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't just, be, I wouldn't be, uh, thrilled about it or anything, but, uh, just, just a name that I saw out there. Okay. So, uh, sounds like, uh, we, there's some intriguing options out there. I think there's a lot, um, you know, I, I really have no read on what this team is going to do because they they've said many times like this is this is the uh, this is the group that they have and they're happy with it, but they still have to sign a couple players because they did lose some. They uh, they lost what two to free agency with uh, with Emelin and Hartnell gone. Well, and I guess Fisher retiring, and then uh, they've got to get their RFAs under and everything. But uh, I mean they're gonna fi- they're gonna sign somebody. I mean they're gonna they're gonna bring in a couple a couple proven NHL players. Um, to fill out this roster, it's just not going to be a big splash, and I'm really worried that they're going to go out and get some like aging player that's not going to contribute, and and they're going to pay him money, and it's just going to be a useless exercise. Like if they go get David Perron, I'm going to be pissed because um, yeah. I don't want David Perron on this team because he's not. They're they're going to have to overpay because he had like 80 points last year, um, and he's not worth that. So definitely, I mean, I think another factor too is it depends on how the trade market kind of sorts itself out. Um, you know, they could be, Coyle could do the thing he likes to do where he goes into the season kind of ignoring concerns, i.e. like Nick Benino not being at second line center. Um, and then say, you know, oh, we should probably address this. Um, it might be a situation where they go into the season with confidence in Tolvanen and maybe he's not exactly ready to be a top six ish winger and they say okay you know we should address this um but i i think there's probably two names for me that i would look at that are probably trade bait if anything uh and for me that's jeff skinner who's been names and thrown about a a lot i would be Um, i would be so on board with that yeah that'd be great but another player that i think i'm more intrigued by um for a few reasons namely that his value is down um, he is a former teammate of a current predator, and he's more of an underrated player from a perception standpoint, and that his name doesn't command as much attention as Jeff Skinner's. Phil is, Kessel? Um, Phil Kessel? I wish, but just, just uh, kidding. Just kidding. Uh, it's, for me, it's, it's Mark Stone um, oh, okay. from Ottawa. So right. I think that'll be interesting, something to watch from my perspective. Mark Stone is he the one? He had a he, he. I feel like he had a pretty good rookie year, and then hasn't really done a whole lot since, right? Like he was, 
look him up real quick. Uh, yeah, sixty-four points in his. I guess that wasn't rookie season. That was his second. No, he was. He was. Yeah, he finished second in the Calder race that year. That's. Uh, yeah. That is okay. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm. This is all coming back. That that's that was Philip Forsberg's Calder Calder race, and uh, Philip Forsberg didn't even finish uh, in the top three, and Mark Stone was second behind. Uh, what was it, Ekblad? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mark Stone. Yeah. All right, I'd be on board with that. Fifteen percent shooter in his career in three hundred games. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Um, you throw him on a line with Kyle Turris potentially again, and you know you see what happens. You never know. Yeah. There you go. All right, that, some good options. I like this. I like uh, I like where it's going. Free agency day is Sunday, so it's uh, J- July one comes on a Sunday this year. So we'll have uh, a lot of time to sit back and relax and watch. Um, watch the action happen. Of course, probably won't. No, probably nothing will happen until like you know the next few days, or whatever. And um, unless there's unless there's just a mad grab on on that day with the predators involved in it, like get ready to watch nothing happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most likely. So, uh, anything else you wanna you wanna throw out there? Um, I I I really appreciate the work you've done uh, on on the site for for the draft and everything. I, I know that it, your your job is not over, but it's uh you you've definitely uh um put you've you've definitely put in the hours that's for sure <laughs> yeah no uh i'll say this is this will be my closing comment uh just from a personal standpoint a team i know that a lot of people are saying this but i've recently in the past couple of years become very a very uh interested fan in the arizona coyotes and the hockey nerd in me is very interested in watching a what they do this summer and be their season coming up here. Uh, I think it's going to be something to watch out for, for sure. Okay. That's very, very random, not really related to anything we've talked about, but just something that's been on my mind. Okay. All right. So the coyote, you think the coyotes are going to make a, like a Vegas golden Knights kind of run next year? Um, I I think, I think they'll have a serious shot at the playoffs. Okay. Um, there's a lot of guys there that I don't think people realize are as good as they are. And what did you think about the trade to get uh, to get to Galchenyuk? It's, I think it's a great deal for the Coyotes. Yeah, I do too. Um, I mean, there's really no other way to place it. All right, good deal. All right, um, so futures games Friday and um, free agency, and then before you know, we'll, we'll take a few. Uh, few days off until uh, the season and everything but uh i appreciate your time eric thanks for uh, thanks for yeah. coming on no problem thank you so much cool. see you later everybody <laughs>